Hello, and welcome to this series of the RICS podcast, where we explore some of the key issues around the built and natural environment with leading experts. I am Sybil Taunton, Head of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion for RICS. In today's podcast, we're joined by Mike Adams, OBE, Chief Executive Officer at Purple Tuesday, and Jean Hewitt, Accessibility and Inclusive Environments Consultant at Borough Happold, and UK Government Disability and Access Ambassador for the Built Environment. Today, we'll be talking about accessibility and the ways in which professionals and organizations can make the built and natural environment more inclusive for those with disabilities. Mike, Jean, welcome, and thank you for joining this session today. Let's start with some introductions. Can you tell us more about who you are, what you do, and why accessibility is important to you? We'll start with you, Jean. Thank you, Sybil. So I'm an accessibility and inclusive environment to Bureau Happold. That's a multidisciplinary organization that works worldwide. So we work on projects all over the world, and some of them are new builds, some of them are existing buildings, so refurbishing or repurposing. I've also got a part-time role at the Bartlett UCL, where I teach and trying to bring on the next generation of people to consider inclusive design and inclusive places. And I've specialised in access and inclusion for over 20 years now. And I have to say, I'm as passionate now as I was at the outset. And this is really, really driven by just seeing on a day-to-day basis the inequalities that people have to face when they visit and use a variety of spaces. Hi, I'm, I'm Mike, and I'm delighted to be joining you today. I'm Chief Executive Officer of Purple, an organization changing the disability conversation. And by that, what I mean is traditionally disability has been seen as an issue of charity, about vulnerable people, about welfare and responsibility of government. And we're moving that dial where disability is seen as value, community, and an opportunity for both disabled people and businesses. I'm the creator and founder of Purple Tuesday, which is a global initiative to improve the disabled customer experience. And I'm just about to be chief executive of a company called Enable All, which is going to create the most accessible e-commerce marketplace. And I'm, like Jean, delighted to be here today. I'm totally passionate about disability for today's generation and the next generation. Brilliant. Thank you both for being here. Mike, let's get started into the more comprehensive questions. Accessibility is a very general and encompassing word and often gets tied specifically to physical space or audiovisual content. Can you elaborate a bit more on what accessibility really means and everything it involves? No, absolutely. And and traditionally, if you think disability and accessibility, the international sign is the wheelchair and it's known all over the world, but wheelchair users just comprise 8% of the disabled population. So immediately when you think accessibility, you have to reorientate your thinking about who are the group of people that we're actually talking about. And the way I break down accessibility is in talking about the kind of purple principles. And and what you've got is you've got place, which could and is the, the built environment, but it's so much more now than just ramps and lifts. You know, we're talking about color contrast. We're talking about sensitive areas and sensory areas. We're talking about signage. 
But it's also the online environment that becomes increasingly possible. And then you've got people, and that could be internal staff, but external stakeholders and your customers. And then you've got the kind of process and practice, that framework that ties in everything to do with disability. And and I always talk about a purple pathway, and that requires awareness, the definition of disability and accessibility who we're talking about, understanding. So, for example, do we understand that 80% of disabled people, four out of five disabled people have hidden disabilities? So we'll walk into a, a built environment and you wouldn't necessarily know that they have reasonable adjustments that need to be made. Did you know that 83% of disabled people acquire their disability during their lifetime, for example? And then you get people involved and podcasts like today is a really great way of taking people from understanding to I'm going to do something about it. And then you engage people. And I think that's probably the easiest and quickest way to describe disability and accessibility. Great. Thank you. That was really helpful. Jean, why is it important for organizations in our industry to prioritize accessibility as stewards of the built and natural environment and what resources are available to guide them? Gosh, well, over the years, there have been so many attempts to improve the built and the natural environments for people so that we can all access and uh, enjoy and flourish within the built environment but when we're really not there yet we've made some advances you know most recently i've been we're doing some work with the british standards institute looking at a new standard on designing for neurodiversity so people with a whole range of neurodivergent traits which might have who might have difficulty interacting with the built environment for for some reasons but there's some really really fundamental basics so the figure there was given for wheelchair access and, and that was, you know, the one when I first started out in 2001, wheelchair access was, was mainly what we were looking at. And um, some of those fundamentals are still not being addressed. It's really astonishing that there is still such poor understanding and little attention to detail in so many cases of the built environment. We've got some great British standards so there's a BSA 300, which is kind of my Bible, and there's a couple of parts to that now. They're my go-to guides for mainstream buildings. There's a new PAS 6463, which is the Design for the Mind guide, and they're useful. That's a very useful first step as well for considering neurodiversity, and it's free to download, which is great. But I think all of these considerations can be adopted the earlier the better. So if you look at some of these standards early on in the design stages, you can achieve so much more for your money. And I think the other resource that often goes untapped is talking to people. So talking to those users with that lived experience of disability is a huge resource and really, really informs design very well. But stakeholder engagement quite often doesn't happen enough and it's a bit tongue in cheek. So we kind of listen, but maybe can go and do our own thing. And I think there needs to be a lot more of that having people in the room, co-design, participatory design, whatever you call it. I think that's a really, really helpful resource for people to tap into. Absolutely. Those, all of those sound really fantastic and definitely encourage people to, to check those out. Mike, why is it important for organizations to commit to and prioritize improving accessibility as employers? And how can they ensure they're meeting the needs of their teams as well as their obligations under the Equality Act? Well, I think in 2023, quite simply, 
it is the right thing to do. And I think if there is a lasting legacy from lockdowns and COVID is that people understand that social benefit is really important to brand. Uh, And I think we have seen that staff in organizations now expect it, customers demand it, um, and investors are really looking closely at it in terms of their portfolio and what they'll invest in. And, And so disability, inclusion, diversity becomes central rather than a tokenistic, well, we'll tick a box, which you know, five years ago, it probably was. And if we just look at the commercials, for example, you know, the purple pound, the consumer spending power of disabled people and their families equates to 274 billion pounds a year. That's the disposable income of that family and rising at 14% per annum. And, you know, I, 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 I defy anyone to be in a boardroom and someone walks in and goes, do you know what? I just found a new market, this disability market. It's worth 274 billion pounds. We know only 10% of businesses have any strategic plan to, to implement. And by the way, in delivering it, most of it is about mindset and low costs. I defy any business to go, no, we're not interested. And so I do think there is the commercial argument that's starting to shine through. And as I said, the social benefit, people want to invest in brands that invest in inclusion. And I would say, and I would argue, and I do argue quite strongly, that this is the decade of diversity and those organizations that embrace it will absolutely thrive and and those who don't will struggle to survive and it's just where we are as a society and and the other point i'd make is i I do a number of conferences that now have polling and the question i always ask is if you think about disability we're talking about 22 percent of the uk population have rights under disability regulation so as genes, we talked about neurodiversity, we talk about mental health, we talk about physical, we talk about long-term health conditions, we talk about people who've got cancer, dyslexia, dyspraxia. And w- when you look at it like that, and then you ask the question, how many of you in the room have either a family member or someone in your close network that has a disability? The answer we get is from 87 to 92%. So this issue resonates. And, and, and the question for people listening to this is, would you want your auntie, your nephew, your niece, your granddad, your son, your daughter to come into the business where you work and be treated differently and less simply because that individual happened to have a disability? And the answer to that question is no. And therefore, that's why it's incredibly important that these podcasts, one, make people aware, but two, really then go away and with their teams or their organization or as individuals do something about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that line sticks out to me. People want to invest 
in brands who invest in inclusion. I love that. So you sort of answered my next question a bit there when we're talking about business risk. But if we could elaborate a bit more, hopefully, what are the biggest risks for organizations when accessibility is not prioritized? And can you share maybe some examples of when organizations have failed to meet the needs of employees, clients, or the public, and what the impact has been of that? Yeah, I, the, in 2023, I think the biggest risk is social media, by the way, because a story for one person could be read by millions by the end of the day. And let me let me tell you two very quick stories. So I've just come back from a weekend away in a venue that was in the forest. It was wonderful. It was brilliant. It was accessible. All the facilities were there. It was great. I was able to park my car outside of where we were staying everything brilliant apart from the fact that the parking permit was bright orange uh, which is fine by the way because my car is bright orange but on the on on the permit it said this is allowable because the person is less able and I, I i can't i haven't got any arms but if i did i would hold my head in my hands because everything was brilliant and then the kind of denouement was to kind of label me as less able. And I sit there and think to myself, why didn't that permit say disabled guest or accessible parking permit? It's really, really straightforward. And I, and I think that's a really good illustration of how far we can go if we just apply a little bit of common sense and good customer service and I was talking to a training provider uh, only this morning as well, and they were saying that they just avoided a disaster. They were running a training program a few weeks ago. No one had asked a question about disability, and in the course of a conversation, it transpired that one of the participants was a wheelchair user for which there was no access into the building. And this is 2023, and once they knew that bit of information – very quickly with the venue, they switched rooms and all was fine. And and so I think those two illustrations tell you how far we have come in terms of accessibility and disability and inclusion, how far we need to go, but probably most importantly, the answer to unlocking how much further we need to go is not difficult or expensive. Yeah, absolutely. Jean, did you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think there's this huge thing that, that Mike's mentioned about the spending power of, of people, disabled people and their families, and, um, you know, this holistic approach to getting everything as good as it possibly can be. So it, it is the built environment, but it's also the management process and the attitudes and awareness and training and the words we use and all of that. The reputational damage, I think, from not getting it right, you, you can't put a price on that. That is loss of customers, demotivated staff, it's higher staff turnover, and also, obviously, potentially, in some cases, the financial cost if it ends up in a civil court or tribunal. And then the significant factor there is going to be the stress on the staff having to deal with that and, of course, a lot of their time. There's also, I think, a huge issue of designers introducing, with the built environment particularly, premature obsolescence of a building. So if they're not looking at designing for everyone 
they're actually producing a product, a building, as it were, or an urban space or a park or something that is not fit for everybody. So it's not going to last. People aren't going to go there in the same way. So it's going to become prematurely obsolescent. So, you know, this is a big, big consideration. I think some of those design considerations really aren't thought about enough. So the earlier you think about getting everything in place and getting all your ducks in a row, as it were, um, the less it will cost you and the less risk there's going to be. So I kind of think this should be a big consideration for, for most, you know, RCS members, for example. Most certainly. I agree. All right. For our final question, what top tips do you have for those listening to this podcast who may not know as much as they could or would like to about accessibility? And what steps can they take to learn more and hopefully move that into take action to create a more inclusive built environment? So I was going to recommend that people join the Access Association. So if you're working in the built environment, that's a really affordable membership process and you get some free CPD, you get lots of information, they send lots of links around. But even things like you know, looking at social media, if you, you connect with the right people, you're going to read a lot more and learn a lot from video clips and so on, whether it's Facebook or Twitter, LinkedIn and all of that. I think I think that's all great. Um, you know, and just going out there and trying to do some formal learning. Not everyone's got the money to do that, but there are some good courses out there. I'm going to take the liberty, Sybil, of giving you three uh, handy hints. And one, if we think about physical spaces, 99% of disabled people will now look up that space digitally online before they go. And that's what happens. And therefore, the people listening, when you're thinking about welcoming people to your physical space and your built environment, you better immediately think about your online environment. Uh, it is amazing how many websites are inaccessible. And, and to be honest, if people cannot access your website and that's not accessible, then it will send a strong signal about your built environment and people will probably not go. Um, so that would be my first hint and tip about the built environment. Look at your online environment, which is easy to do, by the way, much easier than everyone thinks and low cost, no cost solutions. I mentioned earlier Purple Tuesday, uh, purpletuesday.co, which is our initiative to improve the disabled customer experience. And just to give you a sense, you know, 7,000 organizations took part last year. It was a global event in five countries. We had an audience reach of 23 million. Why? Because accessibility is a really important issue and is a connector to people. And every organization has to make one commitment to change their accessibility. Let me tell you the two most popular, no, the three most popular. One relevant to people listening to this is access audits, walkabouts, walkthroughs. So a modern day access audit, which is about lifts, which is about ramps, but is also about color contrasts. It is about sensory spaces and all those things, recognizing that 80% of disabled people have hidden disabilities. So acoustics is a really important thing. Second one, uh, which was the most popular, is something called the six-second rule. And that's when you're talking to people 
who you are aware is on the neurodivergent kind of spectrum, autism, Asperger's, for example, you ask your question and then you count into your head to six, which enables that individual to process the question that you have asked them, uh, to think about the answer and provide a really enriched response. And it actually transforms the conversations and really makes a huge difference. And so many frontline staff in places have adopted it and have said how brilliant it is. And the great thing is it costs absolutely nothing and you can adopt it now. And the third one, particularly for physical spaces and frontline staff, is learning hello and goodbye in British Sign Language, which really puts out the welcome mat to people from the deaf community. And I will absolutely tell you, you say to frontline staff, go and learn hello and goodbye in British Sign Language or American Sign Language. And they come back three minutes later and say, well, I've done that. So I'm going to look up some more phrases and some more words. And that is part of really creating an experience that works, by the way, for your disabled customers and equally for your disabled staff. And and what we have seen in terms of organizations and their staff, you start doing these sorts of things and those individuals who are disabled who have got hidden impairments start to work out that culturally it's in their interest to disclose. So suddenly, culturally, you've got a a different environment as well. So it's incredibly important. And, you know, all the things that I've said are really mindset changes alongside some of the investments that need to be made. And I always call them investments rather than cost because the disability market is so big and could be opened up both in terms of customers and talent pools for people actually who are looking to hire talented individuals that may happen to have a disability. Brilliant. Thank you. Well, is there anything else in this conversation that you'd like to add? Any parting thoughts before we wrap? Yes, please, Sybil. Um, So I think there's a really, really important element to this that is a consideration of who you are recruiting and employing. So if you have a workforce, whether it's your design team or your management team, that include disabled people, it really, really enriches the output, whether that is the way you run your buildings, or the way you design your buildings. It's a really, really important factor. So people do need to consider how they undertake that recruitment process, how they advertise, how they interview. All of those need to, to, to consider a whole diverse range of interests and needs in the same way as you would for visitors and designing a building. Great. Thank you both, Mike and Jean, for sharing your time and expertise with us today. You've both been brilliant. Please do join us for another RICS podcast session in the future. Episodes are published weekly. You can also listen to previous episodes by subscribing to the RICS podcast through your preferred provider. Thank you, everyone, for listening. 